I'm Maddie. And I'm Ryan, here to talk about The Mutant Ages, a show where we review every adaptation of the X-Men ever, including X-Men Evolution, including this episode about Cyclops, which is not a bad episode. I enjoyed it. But it's we're going to have to do notes on Cyclops later, the thing everyone has been asking for. Everybody's been waiting for it. Everybody's been just begging us to talk about Scott Summers. Every day we get letters just pouring through through yeah. our mail slots they're actually asking all us. from scott summers be like they're all from talk scott. about scott summers more talk about me talk about how cool his glasses are and also how cool xavier is oh my god <laughs> back when we were young we experienced a change we felt a power grow in us both wonderful and strange the power to care about the x-men doing a xavier spotlight everyone knows this everyone's accepted okay, it i i've been saying this that, is the closest we will ever come to doing a xavier spotlight is doing the scott summers one we might do a xavier spotlight just no, so we can show everyone how horrible xavier actually is i like you're like don't hurt yourself ryan well because i know it was so much effort for you to already do the scott notes and i like don't want to make you do the xavier one because it's going to be way longer and like okay well here's the thing with scott level. notes is that like it make a lot of the shit makes no sense they they, they don't even retcon anything. They just keep adding on stuff that is okay. But like Xavier's the same way. Like his his the fact that he's paraplegic. Like that's been retconned like a billion times as to how it happened. Like what it would be so confusing to even try. I like, like there's I, times that Xavier's standing up, then sitting down, standing up, and sometimes Cyclops has his glasses off. Sometimes they're on. Sometimes they're off. Yep. Sometimes, sometimes he on. loses all of his memories. Sometimes he gets them back. Oh, there, there's we'll a good talk point about that later in his his uh character analysis where Emma eventually is like, "What the fuck is this even?" <laughs> Okay. I don't know. Okay. We will talk about that later. First, we are talking about X Men Evolution. We watched an episode. We did. But first, before we even talk about that, we should probably make mention that there's a change happening here at the Mutant Ages. And oh my gosh, we're doing this right off the cuff. Okay. Well, okay. I want people to know now. Because we need it, people to be emotionally prepared. Well, because we do it at the end of the episode in the plugs, they may not hear it, and I think it's better if we do it now. So basically, okay. this is what's happening: is that the Mutant Ages has been weekly pretty much for a year now during the pandemic and we are Mm -hmm. going back to being a bi-weekly show after this episode there are a lot of reasons for this that are not bad um i wish we could do this weekly when we did for a really long time we it's honestly shocking how much we kept it up like okay we honestly it it wasn't that we couldn't do it we can but both maddie and i are involved with lots of different things maddie obviously has triple click and she works and she's a musician i've got my vlog that has really taken off recently and the twitch channel and your various odd jobs and like trying to move and all this other stuff fun fact through therapy i'm like talking to my therapist about all this i'm like i don't want to stop anything i do because i love it all but like i am exhausted and i don't have any time and maddie kind of feels the same way and the real that we could do is just kind of dial back a little bit because the mutant ages basically is going to be here for the next 55 years 
So strap <laughs> yeah, in. It's literally never ending. We love it. All we want to do is do the mute mages all the time. I really, really enjoy it. However, I have a day job and like it's and a girlfriend. I'm tired all you the have time. like a lot of stuff going on. So basically it was fine when the pandemic was going on because literally we weren't doing anything. But since so many things are happening all the time, I do feel like and I know yeah, people does are too. like expecting me to leave my house again. It, yeah. So I have to like do that so I can see people. It's I'm crazy expecting to leave my house again. So basically, <laughs> so basically there's a lot going on again and we do have to dial back on the show a little bit. But it comes with a bonus for all of you. Now, when we went weekly on this show, we pretty much stopped doing the videos on YouTube, not because we couldn't do them. It's just that we used that time to create create more podcast episodes. Yeah, so we're going to try to do videos again. It's a little bit easier for us because if we're doing a bi-weekly show, that means we record bi-weekly and then also we will sit down and we'll create a video one day, which we'll record that. That's like one shoot for us. That is five episodes right there. So it is a little bit easier on our schedules, but you know, we'll be releasing as much as we can and also keep your eyes on the Discord, the Mutant Ages Discord, because I am very active there. And the whole community yeah, is Ryan's very active always doing in there. Twitch streams. And, you know, there's another thing about it, which is that you can always back the Patreon and get a bunch of extra audio content over there. That's true. true. Patreon.com slash The Mutant Ages. You can, you can listen to a backlog of episodes from the two of us. If you, if you miss us, we're right there. Yep. We're there for and you. And also, if, you, if you're somebody that still has to catch up and like all the previous episodes, this will give you time to do that. So there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, also, we're really not going anywhere. Like, this show's going on for the oh, rest no, of that's, our when, natural when lives. Maddie like, and I sat this down is to not... talk about this, I was just like, Maddie, we're doing this at least until the day we die, and then maybe some more. So <laughs> Our like, ghosts will be doing because this. Because the MCU's gonna drop a bunch of X-Men shit, and then we're gonna be, like, in over our heads, you know? So, whatever. I know. We're gonna have so much to do. But by then, we're gonna be billionaires, and we'll just be doing this full-time. So that'll be really yeah, easy at that actually, point. we'll be paid by Tony Stark himself. <laughs> I can't believe it's been... How many episodes is this? I don't even know. I don't have them labeled anymore. You'll have to tell me. It's, like, 134. Is it? Wow. Yeah, I think we're up to 134. Well, that's crazy. I can't believe we've done it yeah, for this I know. long. And we've been doing it for many years because well, Yeah. It used to be bi-weekly for a really long time, so it was like every two weeks. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. So, it's anyway. just going back to that. You all y'all should be used to it, and if you're newer, this is just the format that it used to be pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. now we're going to talk about this episode where Mystique beats the shit out of Cyclops for like a full 20 minutes, which is kind of great. I know, which is actually pretty great. And luckily it's a fairly simple episode. We'll try to kind of plow through it because then we need to talk about Cyclops's absurd history afterwards. So, this is going to be a super huge Cyclops tastic episode. Psychoc. Okay, also Psy-cock. previously on the X-Men. Da-da. This is important. So after all the shit went down between the end of season two and the beginning of season three, where all the X-Men were out into being chased by the police and military and the National Guard, mm-hmm. at some point, the X-Men and Mystique's team were approached by Nick Fury, who were like, I've got the coordinates to free your friends who had been captured, so I can't intervene because that's not something that I can do in my position. Yeah, I mean, it's illegal. But my boyfriend <laughs> is being held captive there, so... Here you go. Here's the coordinates. And Mystique takes control of the situation, doesn't let Storm do it. And she led them all into 
this facility, which she did really well. She by did. The way. And they all freed all the extra X-Men and Brotherhood who had been kidnapped, in, including right. Wolverine and like everybody else. Fred, everybody got free thanks to Mystique's leadership and coordination skills. Except yes, then at the very end of it all, Scott was like, Mystique kidnapped Xavier and won't tell us where he is. So I'm mad at her and I'm going to lock her inside of the facility until she tells me where Xavier is, which was a terrible plan didn't work and mystique didn't tell them anything and then got kidnapped also mystique didn't shapeshift there and i don't know why i will never I know mean, why i don't know if it would have mattered like based on this episode i think it, that we're supposed to assume that everybody else like the soldiers were already in the room seeing mystique climbing up the ladder like it was already too late for her i think we have to assume oh, okay. that that's All the right. case because Fair she gets enough. kidnapped like immediately you know very unlike mystique well she gets out of it pretty quickly at the beginning of this episode so clearly all she needed was one opening you know actually you know what here's my theory i feel like this episode the beginning of this episode is within the same 24 hours of that last episode and then there's right. there's there, there's a time jump yep where she's been biding her time yes to then attack the x-men and specifically scott summers because now well she's probably waiting until the army calms down about mutants first and then she like can wait and kidnap scott right and there's like this whole thing where she this is not like a mystique planning some really complicated thing i mean it is a little bit there's like a complicated plan here but for the most part Slightly. it's mystique just showing up being like I have no agenda here other than to torture Scott Summers and watch him. <laughs> and watch him die slowly and painfully. <laughs> like, like that's that's really it. all this episode. That is as deep as this episode goes. And it's kind of like... And you know what? I get it. Like, after what Scott <laughs> did to her, it's like, you can't really falter for that, you know? Right, right. Yeah. So... <laughs> so there's there's not like a lot going on in this. So at yeah, least there's this, not really politics. There's not. Well, there is like a who's gay section, but whatever. We can get to that. There is um, that. Okay. So all right. So we open up back on Area 51, which is yep. a, I forgot that's where all this I went know, down. That is where everybody was kidnapped. Also, kind of dumb on the military to keep this person in the same place that whole time. It's but fine. Whatever. Well, it's only been like an hour. I mean, according according to what we think happened. Yeah, to our canon of this. Also, you can't transport Mystique. You can't do anything with with Mystique because, like, as soon as you move, she kidnaps you, which is like what's about to happen. So yeah, anyway, exactly. they have her strapped to a metal pallet, basically like she's Wolverine. And then a male and female doctor walk into the room, and they're like, "We need to medically evaluate Mystique," which, like, I don't even know why like don't try to do anything i don't i don't even think that they were gonna medically actually evaluate her i think they were gonna like take samples of her blood to experiment on that or research Maybe. i really think they, i think this I was know. gonna be one of those weird experimentation things that's what i think was actually happening well here. they definitely can't do that either <laughs> well no they were sending a doctor first to get her vitals and be like okay can we experiment on her without killing her does she have human organs that's what i think is happening and so the female doctor is the one who's like i can't examine her when she's all strapped in like i need to like loosen one of her arms so right. then the male doctor's like, uh, I'll go get a, a pole restraint, which is like, I assume one of those like electric shock thingies. I don't That's know. That's what I thought it was, too. And he does. And yeah. on the way back, as soon as he leaves the room, basically, the woman gets overtaken by Mystique. And we don't even see how we just know it happens. OK, like, Mystique kills her. Like, literally, she kills her. But first yeah. we see the doctor walk by the other doctor, the female doctor. She's like, 
never mind she's too feisty i am leaving and the doctor's like what yeah but of course it's mystique in disguise as the female doctor of course we know that immediately okay, i love the voice actors on this show by the way because they all do the mystique voice or like so the well intonation of which mystique. is like just this very like aggressive yeah. yeah she's like never mind she's just way too feisty right now leave me alone like that is so mystique and then the male doctor goes back in the room and sees like the female doctor's dead body like okay <laughs> i can only read it as dead because there's a towel no there's a cloth thrown over and her arm falls out like she's dead yeah but then they have the voice actress like moaning so that it's like oh she's still alive but like mystique she, killed this like, woman what the yeah. fuck it, yeah i read it as she died mm-hmm. uh and so then the doctor gets on his little walkie-talkie and says that mystique is now posing as the female doctor yep and he's like she's the mutant find her and then like all the soldiers mobilize suddenly one of the soldiers like sees the female doctor who's actually mystique and attacks her but then (laughs) mystique just overtakes him immediately because it's mystique and she kicks him in the face and then she turns into the soldier the soldier calls everybody on his walkie and is like she's posing as me Everybody needs to know that. But it's like Mystique can immediately switch into something else. I know, I know. There's like this fun little montage of Mystique running around Area 51, impersonating a bunch of different people. And then like And then turns into a bird and flies away and like gets away instantly. And it just rules. It's like it takes her five minutes to get out of there. And it's so satisfying. It's like, God, you can't keep Mystique anywhere. Like, what are you doing? No, you really can't. Mystique's a great character. And then we get the intro. (laughs) Anyway, so then (laughs) then it goes back to another montage, just like the last one of the new mutants fixing the X-Mansion. I'm like, I like how Xavier didn't hire anybody to like actually help with this. We saw the construction sign last time around and we were like, what the fuck is this? Turns out the construction company is children, like children <laughs> working for Xavier again for free. All right. What was that thing Todd said? He was like, he's like, Xavier has that attitude of I'm going to teach you lessons by like making you do work, basically. Yep. He's like, mow the lawn, but also you're still not getting an allowance. That's basically how Xavier works. But you have to mow the lawn with your like lava powers. So that's what Magma's doing. She's like making the front path paved by using her magma power. Hours, which is cool right multiple man is multiplying to paint which is actually probably the smartest thing anyone could it do is here. very smart so he's painting the entire house by multiplying himself by the way, i love that rogue is helping by putting up decorations that's yeah. her help she's that's hanging she's up doing. a painting meanwhile evan is sliding around the mansion on a rug which is like also not helpful but that's funny yeah he's like she's flying by me like it's a magic carpet ride and i was <laughs> like uh what <laughs> then he slams into the wall and spikes go everywhere and rogue's like that's it porcupine i'm gonna beat the shit out of you which is kind of actually kind of funny it is funny so then they run off chasing each other and they run past bobby and beast who are looking at a computer console and bobby is like writing code on there and beast is like what was that last line of code and bobby's like listen it's generational like i can't explain it to you just go hook up a vcr (laughs) or whatever and beast is like um you're a sharp kid bobby but this is the electronic brain for the institute so let's not fuck it up and bobby's like whatever i'm just setting up the lighting system and then all the lights immediately go off and and it's like oh bobby did it wrong again and it's just like a funny little joke Oh, i love it but it's also like a throwback to their actual friendship in the comics Very because cute. we do see that a lot in the show is like bobby and hank hanging out which is like why are these characters different ages <laughs> 
I don't know. It will never stop being weird. Like I, I mean, w- wait until I get to the next scene to get onto that train. No, this is like literally it. So Jean <laughs> is like, she moves an antenna or something like a radio. Like a satellite, a, a satellite dish. dish. A satellite up dish. To Scott and Logan who are on the roof not wearing clothes. They are shirtless. They, I, I don't, don't know why. I don't know why. I guess it's hot up there. Like, that's the only... Okay, they're not wearing shorts, though. They're wearing long pants. I don't know. And all I could think about was Gene looking up at Scott and, like, also Logan was there. I'm like, this is getting weird now because Logan's still, like, 34 on this show. And they're trying to impose this idea that maybe later on in time, Logan and Gene may also be interested in I each know. other i mean they're never gonna actually directly say that because like they know it's wrong but there is something very strange about this teenage girl looking up at the roof and seeing scott and logan both shirtless and like sighing and being really horny at, while yeah. she's looking at these two hot guys it's weird because you know that gene and logan fuck in the comics like right you can't not have the audience make this assumption like you can't remove that assumption from their brains like Like there's there's many there's many good things about this show but one of its biggest failings was making logan and storm and beast a random adult age when they could have just had it be like moira and xavier running the mansion and it would have been fine i know and then just have logan be a kid and then have logan be the lance role you know like have logan be the badass who keeps leaving this show was coming out at the exact same time as the ultimate universe was going when logan was portrayed as a teenager and even though it was weird at least they had all the characters be the same fucking age yeah i know or around the same area it's very weird it's very weird and it just keeps on getting weirder so logan and scott are like all oiled up sexily installing the satellite dish together shirtless which like okay i just have to assume all the children are 18 now or else i freak out about whatever the fuck this is kitty phases <laughs> up through the roof carrying a cable and like hands it to them and then phases away because she's dating rogue and she's not interested in these men she's also eating an apple again which she seems- is eating an apple she loves eating apples it seems to be her favorite food on the show it's funny um and then we get to see another little montage of like like berserker and sunspot and cannonball like smashing around like building more of the mansion but mostly just destroying shit together and like (laughs) logan is watching all of it and he's like oh they're gonna trash this place before we're done rebuilding it and then logan is like staring or scott is staring at gene okay i'm already screwing them up oh my god yeah so fucked up scott is staring at gene and looking at how hot she is and then he turns to logan and he's like logan have you ever really cared for somebody And Logan is like, give me the pliers. (laughs) And Scott is like, I mean, feel it so strongly you can't get the words out. And then Logan is like, "Uh, yeah, a motorcycle, which is like, (laughs) this is is so stupid because it's like they need to like desexualize Logan because he's an adult man. Right. So they can't have Logan be like, yeah, I've totally wanted to fuck a woman before or a man. They have to instead have him say this weird line where he's like, about a bike. Oh, the most beautiful bike I ever saw. I was so speechless that somebody else bought her. And I was like, you can't even have Logan describe like wanting to have sex with somebody else. Like, what are you doing on this show? Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's so weird. It's like as though in writing it, they know how weird this is and they like don't know how to fix it. So they just kind of remove it from the equation entirely. Uh, yeah, I agree. And that's also part of the reason why Logan is barely on this show. I know because they have to keep removing him because they can't do the love triangle anymore. They can't do any of the plot lines that they normally do with Logan where he has a bunch of exes. So they just have him like fuck Sabretooth in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> anyway so yeah. scott is like i need to confess my true feelings but i don't know if she feels the same way about me and then logan is like here's how i see it i'd like to finish this job before new year's so if you don't tell her i will which is also <laughs> a weird line it is a weird because line. if you think about it it's like 
Logan will tell Jean that Scott has a crush on her, but the phrasing of it is like, if you don't tell her, I will. Do you know what I mean? Do like, they, it's a little well, if you weird. Don't, if you don't tell her, I will tell her that I like her. I like I, her. Right. I know. I know. But like, I know that's not what they meant by it. But again, I was just like, I don't know about this. I don't know. It's just weird. <laughs> it's one of the few failings of the show was I the know. age gap between these characters. I know. I know. So anyway, then Mystique as a crow shows up and like, Peck Scott's face a thousand times and flies away. <laughs> By the way, what's going to happen on the show to this episode? If you don't listen to the Warcraft Valley podcast, you should. You it's should. our sister podcast. It's the one where Katie and I reread our fan fictions from when we were children. And they're mostly about the X-Men crossed over with God knows what. Gargoyles. But like the thing that always happens is that Katie and I, as teenagers, did all this weird torture shit to the characters that we liked. So it was like... Gambit would like get a bunch of stuff stuck in his butt and like need to get taken care of by Mr. Sinister. Basically, all this crazy shit would happen to Gambit. Like he'd walk outside and then the Friends of Humanity would attack him, break all his bones, inject him with shit. Then Mr. Sinister would capture him and throw him down a hill into a lab where he would then like be a, like... I don't know, punched in the face, stepped on, then the building would collapse on him. And then Katie would like, Katie's character would come in and like pull him out and be like, we're going to nurse him back to health. But he's like only got a scratch on his face. And it's like, <laughs> that's what's about to happen to Scott. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. But like not quite yet. So the, the crow just like comes in and calls really loudly in Scott's face. And Scott is like, what the fuck? And then like the crow yeah, flies away. Right. So then we go down to Jean, who's moving a huge stone angel on top of the fountain. But she's so distracted by the sexy men on the roof that she nearly smashes the angel into storm. Okay. If I was a psychic trying to do that and i saw logan and scott like sexually working on something together i'd be staring at that the whole time well that is exactly what she's doing which okay and storm is like what the fuck are you doing like you nearly killed me like what is this and gene is like i'm sorry i'm just so distracted because i'm a horny teen and storm like makes it rain to refill the fountain and like helps her fix it and everything and storm is like yeah it looks really good and gene is like still staring at scott and logan and she's like yeah it looks so good (laughs) (laughs) and storm is like okay um you and scott want to fuck each other right and gene is like yeah scott's always been there for me and then storm refers to this incident that she was not present for which we <laughs> talked about this at the time i didn't even think about that That's we talked really about this funny. during that episode because you remembered that storm is going to refer to it later but she was not here so storm oh says like the time your powers went crazy scott helped you through that he was so worried about you and gene is like i owe him my life and the connection he made with me that day was so strong so i guess that's them developing their psychic connection yeah so like that's in the comics and it's obviously going to be here as well where like gene and scott love each other so much that they have this super special psychic connection together and it means that gene is always going to know when scott's in trouble and be able to find him wherever he is also she's super powerful that's the real reason i mean there's also that too she's way stronger than professor xavier professor xavier is not that strong then scott and gene are inside and they're like going to approach each other to awkwardly tell each other they like each other and bump into each other somehow and they're both like huge empty room there (laughs) It's like it's like demon where you and I were running at each other from opposite ends of the camera and then we crashed into each other. Yeah. And it's like, how did you two crash into each other? You were both specifically looking for each other and somehow didn't see each other in a huge empty empty lobby and then crashed into each other. And we're like, uh, sorry. It's like the most awkward setup ever. Like, why didn't they just find each other normally? And they're like, uh, came here to talk to you uh yeah me too so what do you want to say and of course kurt bamps then he's like 
This is my boyfriend. <laughs> Kurt shows up. But Kurt is actually not the person who's going to cog block this. It's actually going to be Mystique through an elaborate uh, setup. Right. But so Kurt is like, it's Alex on the phone. Alex Summers, Scott's brother. And Scott looks kind of annoyed. And he's like, OK, this is going to take a second. And he like talks to Alex. And Alex is on the phone. And he's like, bro, I'm stranded in Mexico. Can you believe it? I aced the surfing competition, but then somebody stole my wallet and like, I'm totally stuck. Okay, but so where did Mystique actually make this phone call from? Because this is the same day. Mexico. So like, she, she flew- actually went to Mexico for this because that's where Scott goes, remember? Okay, but then how much further in time is this from the last scene where they were on the roof and now they're approaching other, each other inside because Mystique was also in that last scene. Yeah, you're right. Well, I guess she had all the time because Scott has to go to the airport and like fly there. So Mystique turns into a jet and then she also flies there at the same time that Scott does. Okay, fair. Uh, I maybe or I like this idea that like Mystique saw him there and then like left and then days went by as Scott and Jean awkwardly tried to <laughs> have a conversation. <laughs> okay, that's also really funny. Yeah, because the way this episode sets it up is like, wow, Scott and Jean are going to finally tell each other they want to fuck. But they just can't quite get there before Mystique interrupts. But it's way funnier if it took them like five days and they couldn't manage to do it. I mean, you that know? is like how it was back as teenagers. I know. You remember it was that? very, like, very we'd, we'd scary. Like, Fine, I'm going to go tell them how I feel. And then like days would go by and our friends would be like, did you talk to them? And it's like, no, I just actually avoided them for five days. Yeah, I mean, it's scary to tell somebody how you feel. But like, I feel like as an adult, I've realized it's actually not that scary. And you just like tell the person yeah. and either they're interested or they're not. And then you move on with your life. But like as a kid, it's the scariest thing you could possibly imagine to be well, rejected it's like brand so you hate new. yourself already so it's like wow you don't want to get rejected on top of that you know right and so so scott's like okay yeah i'll fly down there and i'll like get you out with money and i'm like wait this is so complicated doesn't Xavier have like no anybody down there that could just be like yeah i have a friend in mexico that will give you money like it's also like what why why is this even a situation that happened at all because like scott even points it out he's like what you can't reach your foster parents and Alex is like, no, dude. And like, Scott doesn't even really think it through and be like, that makes no fucking well, sense. That's about right for Scott. Yeah, you're so right. So Scott lands in the airport and he finds yep. Alex there. And it's like, yo, bro, I haven't seen you in like so long, dude. I'll let go get some grub, buddy. I know a great place right around the corner. And then Alex shoves Al- uh, Scott into this dark hallway. And then turns into Mystique and is like, I'm going to fucking murder you. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> she like pulls out like this little vial that she throws on the ground, which is some sort of knockout gas. Yes. She's basically the Joker now. So like she basically Joker fires and like throws knockout gas at Scott and then we cut to Scott waking up in the middle of the fucking desert which is still in Mexico by the way and he doesn't have his glasses yeah so I know this is great she leaves him in the middle of the wilderness no food no water and he has to keep his eyes closed the entire time and he's completely alone. Like, there is no way he would survive this. I know he will survive this. It's absolutely insane. But like this is pretty this is pretty epic torture you know what i mean uh, like yeah, this is just the beginning so scott know, starts walking around and he's With his like eyes closed hello my glasses i don't know where my glasses are so then he opens his eyes and he destroys half the desert and he's like good news nobody was there bad news nobody was there and i, was I actually like, thought that was like a pretty good line i, I was like was yeah <laughs> Yeah, it is good because you just like destroyed a cliffside, dude. Yeah, um, except like also, 
there's luckily he didn't kill anybody but also he's completely fucked and there's okay, like a also, bunch of creepy music here which i thought was like really well oh, I done i love the music in this this yeah. is also what i noticed that in this particular scene cyclops is wearing chucks and i was like mm, yes. cyclops is not cool enough for chucks and i get he's really not. angry about he's that he's not anyway whatever so luckily he's at least wearing sneakers now it's but like yeah, After the sun around. sets. There's some beautiful animations here where it's just Scott walking. Okay, so then the wolves from Beauty and the Beast show up. I think it's, they're actually coyotes. It doesn't matter. I mean, they're coyotes, whatever. They're so aggro. Like, these wolves want to kill the shit out of I, this Scott. Is like, this is not how, like... This well, is not how any animal would behave. They, they would if they looked at a human that was in the middle of the okay, wilderness about to die, but maybe. Like, but, like, eventually Scott uses his eye beams and i feel like just one of those would be enough for the wolves or the coyotes to be like fuck this we're leaving you know like, i don't know but like i i feel like that would be terrifying to them i don't know we don't see what happen because they'll all of them jump on him and he screams and then it cuts to gene who wakes up on a sofa in xavier's office by the way yeah she's like scott and xavier rolls and he's like gene are you all right and i was like why was xavier just in the doorway watching gene sleep i mean we know why and we do know why we know why, but it was gross. We don't need and to then, get into it. It's disgusting. And then Gene's like, something bad is going to happen to Scott. And Xavier's like, nah, he's nah. out of psychic range for me. And if I can't do it, nobody can because I'm the most powerful mutant on Earth. And now, also, like, a bad bed. dream is just a bad dream. And I don't really trust you or your feelings. And yeah, I don't like, really think you're that hell? powerful. Well, bye. He's like, go back to sleep on my sofa so it can continue masturbating to you sleep. Yeah. And Gene is just like, okay. And it's like, what the fuck is this scene? Whatever. It's disgusting. I don't I don't think she says is okay because it's only a couple scenes later that Gene's like riding around being like, I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, so then it goes back to scott playing with the coyotes and thankfully <laughs> scott's okay scott is almost dying like let's clarify well yeah I, I just have to assume that one of the coyotes is mystique trying to kill him like i have to assume that that's what's going on oh that's a good point i didn't even think about that because later on she is another person so then anyway yes. his hearing is so good because he's daredevil that he's able to fend for himself okay he is literally daredevil in this episode yes like he is fucking daredevil like it keeps happening well he starts he does start using his powers repeatedly i know and so some construction workers nearby see this. They're like working on a oil rig. It's like specified later. It's or like something. We don't. We don't. These know. two Mexican guys, and they mostly speak in Spanish. And they're like, "What's that?" And then they're like, "Okay, let's go investigate." Because they see these red lights in the distance, which is like, "What the fuck?" They probably think it might be some sort of like. Uh, I mean, I would think it was aliens. <laughs> I would <laughs> think me. that if I saw that, I would think it's some sort of what are the fire things called uh, when you are lost at sea? Flares. I Flares, flares, thank you. Yeah, flare fire gun. things. You know. Yeah, fire things. Yeah. So it's probably like they they basically see red lights off in the distance and they're like, let's investigate, which very nice of them. Good Samaritans. So they hop in a Jeep. They hop in a Jeep. Then Scott walks off a cliff. It falls like 20 stories. And he doesn't die. Like the number of things that happened to Scott where I'm like, how is he alive? I don't know. This is after all the coyotes were biting him. So yeah, now he's so falling all the coyotes, off the thing. Like these rabid coyotes led by Mystique are trying to fucking murder Scott. Scott falls down 60 cliffs and he's like, whoa, for like 20 <laughs> it's hours. It's like that scene from Hot Rod where he just keeps rolling down the hill for 20 minutes. Okay, but also the coyotes are running after him. They they are so hungry and there's no other food and they're like we just have to get there this is why i have to assume one of them is mystique because there's no other this like, is like wily e. coyote where he doesn't like get a I chance know. to eat so anyway then finally the jeep pulls up and finds scott 
And the Jeep is what scares all the coyotes away. Not the eye blast. I know. I know. It doesn't make any sense. So then like the guys grab Scott and put him in the back of the Jeep and they drive away. And then we see Mystique. Yes. Mystique is standing up there and she's been watching this the whole time. And she's like, Ugh. or she was a coyote and she just transformed back. And she's like, God damn it. I wanted to fucking kill this kid. <laughs> well, also she wanted to torture him, but she yes. just wants to watch Scott yes. suffer. But I love that she's there. Yes. It's amazing. So then Jean calls Alex and she's like, Hey, Alex, I just wanted to make sure that Scott got there okay. Alex is like, what the fuck are you talking about? And Jean is like, what? She's like, aren't you in Mexico right now? And she's like, have you talked to Scott at all? And she's like, oh, fuck. And so she runs away. (laughs) So then Scott wakes up in a hospital bed. He's still in Mexico. He doesn't open his eyes. I actually respected Scott for doing a really good job not opening his eyes in this episode. Most of the time, He's he's pretty good at it. So then a doctor walks up to him and speaks in Spanish and is like, I'm Dr. Ramirez. And Scott is like, I don't speak Spanish. And the doctor immediately starts speaking in English and is like, oh, hey, an oil rig crew found you. They brought you to Mexico City. You're lucky to be alive. And Scott's like, I have to make a phone call. And Dr. Ramirez is like, I have to check for a concussion first. Open your eyes. And Scott like starts freaking the fuck out. And then like these other orderlies come in and restrain Scott and like make him open his eyes. He blasts the entire fucking hospital like immediately. And everybody freaks the fuck out, obviously. And Scott is like stumbling out of the hospital room. Right. And then we go back to Xavier and Jean who are in Cerebro. And Xavier takes off the helmet. Xavier's like, for some reason, I can't pinpoint him exactly because that's not how Cerebro works anywhere. But I know he's somewhere in Mexico City. Better try not looking for him. And I'm like, Xavier, you would think that you would like be a little bit more concerned about this one character. He's your your star student. Yeah, like he's he's like your favorite baby. Like, yeah, what are you doing? Right. Like, he parrots everything you say, which literally nobody else does. I don't what know. Are you doing? Like, I feel like the only way I could read this is like he's Xavier's sort of enjoying the fact that he has control over Jean and he knows that Jean and Scott are about to start dating. So he's like kind of mad about it i mean that's like a really uncharitable read of the situation that is i don't think that's i think xavier's just making the wrong call but anyway so scott's crashing through an alleyway where he's literally screaming someone help me i can't see my glasses and i was like okay it's really fucking sad and then he runs into a payphone picks it up but it's dead which i think mystique like saw him stumbling down the alley quickly like like, snipped it ripped apart the payphone and then like watched like that has to be what happened here oh yeah i because then he overhears somebody in the distance running away, which I think is Mystique. I don't know. I, th- I think it is, too. And then and then we see the Blackbird nonchalantly <laughs> landing in the middle of Mexico City, which was really funny to me. It is really funny. And then Gene and Storm and Logan walk off of it in their costumes, which, like, maybe they could have just worn civvies for this one. Like, I don't know, guys. No, it's better if Storm shows up in a big flowing cape. Yeah. Then there are some Streets of Rage thugs that are in the alley. Yes. And I actually do like this scene where they refer, refer to him as the American mutant. And yes. then you destroyed our hospital. Who destroyed the hospital. Yeah. Uh, you need to pay for our roof. And Scott's like, I'll just call my rich white foster father and he'll help you. And they're like, yeah, we don't give a shit about your white boy money. We want to beat the shit out of you. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, damn. And Scott is like, please don't do this. I don't want to hurt anybody. And they gangsters are like that's what makes you different from us mutante and then they like try to kick his ass well there's this one guy that picks up scott and manages to throw him 30 feet away and it's like what the fuck how did they manage to do that but i think that same dude is mystique because like two seconds later (laughs) scott grabs that dude slams him up against a fence and 
blasts his eyes next to his head. He's like, I don't remember what he says. And Mystique reveals that it's her. And she's like, actually, it's me. Nice to meet you again. Maybe you'll demolish some small family's home next. Yeah, I loved that line, by the way, where Mystique is just making fun of Scott for like destroying everything and being like, oh, I know. you're an idiot. And then Scott drops her and he's like, get away from me. Yeah. Meanwhile, the other gangsters ran away in terror at all of this. Oh, They're they gone. did because like they saw his eye beams go off and Mystique's like, what's the matter? You don't like getting abandoned? And then it's like, oh, damn. <laughs> I love it. And Scott's like, you've had your fun. Now end this. And Mystique's like, oh, no, honey. The fun's just begun. How about we try the North Pole next? Bet you want to see Santa Claus. <laughs> she takes out her little knockout gas tube and Scott, like, hears it with his daredevil powers and, like, knocks it out of her hands, which, like, okay, whatever. So then we get, like, 20 minutes of them, like, punching each other. This is yeah. what the rest of the episode is, by the way. I know, it's like I know. literally twirling around and Mystique, well, Mystique lands more punches. But then we get Jean walking down the street and, like, Jean senses Scott. She senses people nearby and, like, orgasmically gasps and is like, Scott! Why did she revert into the animated series Jean all of a sudden? I don't know. She does get to be a badass at the very end of this episode. She does. Though. She does. So, so first she sends Xavier a message and she's like, Professor, Mystique's after Scott and they're near some ancient tower, like, from a church. And Xavier's like, the plaza of the three cultures. Get there. We'll find you. How did he know? It's like he just luckily knew what that was, you know? Whatever. Sure. And so then Mystique smashes Scott into a building, which I guess is wherever Jean is going to find them later. When Scott is, like, trying to blast her, he, like, accidentally blasts a parked car that's outside, and Mystique makes fun of him for doing that. Like, obviously, Scott is, like, causing all sorts of damage. She's just, like, mocking him, and it's kind of great. It is fun. Uh, then Mystique beats the shit out of Scott some more. Like, she literally just starts wailing on him. It's, it's, it's fun. great. Scott is still daredevil throughout all of this. Like, he's still fighting blind. They're, like, in this warehouse where she's, like, leaping off boxes and shit and he's rolling out of the way yeah it's like a video game like she is like jumping up onto like a million boxes and then jumping down onto his head to kick him in the head like a thousand times and then she'll like platform up again and like do another downward attack and then do like a cartwheel backwards and you're like maybe this goes on for a really long time then they go down into the catacombs in the basement and there's lights down there that happens because like they fall through the floor Oh, right. There's like a video game-esque like state change moment where they enter the next level. And, Scott's like, foot gets kudum. stuck. In, yeah, I know. It's like Mortal Kombat, basically, <laughs> yeah. in which like his foot gets stuck in the floor and then he goes to Blaster and just blows up the whole ground. It was like, yep. that was terrible, Scott. But okay. Yeah. They're downstairs now. In like the catacombs and there's a fluorescent light down there for some reason and Scott blows out the light and is like, now Mystique has to fight in the dark and she's at a disadvantage because she's not Daredevil. Because I know how to do this but this is after they spun around they spun around each other for a real long time fighting and missing each other so then they're in the basement he blows out those lights and like Mm -hmm. scott is running around and kicking mystique who's standing in this one spotlight i'm like why is she doing that I don't but know. She, she also gave herself away because she was walking around through the darkness and like walked into some chains. And Scott's like, I hear you. I'm Daredevil. <laughs> and then he yeah. like rolls across the ground and Mystique cartwheels away. And he's like, what's the matter? Can't you see? And I like, I found this irritating because I was like, I feel like if anybody would be able to fight really well in the dark as well, it would be Mystique. Like, why is Scott so much better at this? Like, what? I thought, I thought Mystique could see in the dark, like canonically. I don't even know. I think it's stupid. Anyway, finally Mystique sort of rallies and like starts fighting back and like finds Scott in the dark and then they're sort of even again and then we see Jean descending the staircase at one point and Jean is like (laughs) Scott are you down here 
And Scott is like, Jean, watch out. Mystique's in here somewhere. And Jean's like, no, she's gone. I saw her escape. And then we like see Jean picking up this random like huge paddle. Like she's going to kick Scott's ass. And we're like, oh, it's Mystique in disguise. It's the Yowie paddle, Maddie. Yeah, it's a Yowie paddle. Obviously. And she's at an anime convention circa 2007. Yes. And then Jean is like, Cerebro led me right to you. And Scott is like, that's extremely suspicious for some reason. Yeah, I actually don't know why it's suspicious. Yeah, it shouldn't be because then two seconds later, the real Jean is going to find him and he's like, fine with it. But like, also that's Scott not having any like a confidence in Jean's powers. I know, which again makes no sense because Jean finds them two seconds later. So it's like really stupid. I don't know. I found that dumb. So anyway, Scott somehow knows that this gene isn't the real gene and blasts her with his powers, at which point she turns into Mystique. And then she platforms up like it's a video game again, except then the real Jean Grey actually is there coincidentally like, luckily. and uses her telekinesis to stop Mystique in okay, midair. But what she does is like Jean flies down and grabs the telekinesis to smash Mystique against walls in Mortal Kombat style like 15 times before pushing her through a wall. And it's like, oh, I like it when Jean's powers actually work. Yeah, I thought it was pretty badass. And like Mystique has this little like girlfriend to the rescue, like making fun of Jean line. But then Jean is like, I'm going to fucking kill you. And it's kind of badass. Yeah, but Mystique like literally disappears two seconds later. Yeah. And Mystique just kind of like runs away and is like, I don't want to deal with this shit Yeah, so Jean floats down to Scott, pushes Scott into her boobs. And she's like, (laughs) she's like, are you okay? Also, this reminds me so much of Katie when she was writing Gambit and Warcraft Valley and she mm-hmm. Jan would run in and like grab Gambit after all this shit. He's like, I've got you, my baby. And it's like, <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> and Scott is like wearing like a torn loincloth version of his previous clothes because he's been had his ass kicked and he's like dying. No blood. He's this is what I mean. It's like he has like one cut and he's like sitting there. But he's like, like shirtless. He's like, I knew we our connection was correct. I can so connected to you. And then it cuts away and Scott opens his eyes. We get it from his perspective where mm-hmm. it's him putting on his glasses. They're on the X jet together. Jean's standing there like looking super hot and sexy. She's like, is that better? And I was like, <laughs> she's uh, like, what do you think of these new glasses that make me naked? And Scott is like, <laughs> I love them. And then meanwhile, Logan and Rower are like, I guess they're going to date now. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, somebody check Scott for internal bleeding because that's just where the episode ends. <laughs> that's where it ends is like gene kisses scott on the cheek they don't even do like a real kiss it's just like a little cheek kiss which like i don't know if they're not allowed to do real kisses because it's a kid's show i don't know i guess that's a good point because we have not seen anybody kiss each other on the show right i don't think so i'm thinking back we've seen like like face cheek kissing oh my god yeah face i don't cheek. think anybody's kissed what am i saying face I kiss cheek on the cheek <laughs> face cheek kissing is that anything do people know what that is yeah (laughs) face cheeky oh my god (laughs) oh my god so that's the episode most of it was mystique torturing scott so there wasn't actually that much dialogue so it was pretty easy to recap and also fun to watch it was fun okay here's the thing if it's great to watch Mystique beat the shit out of Scott, but like yep. there really actually isn't any payoff at the end because he gets away, isn't really injured, and Mystique doesn't even get to exact revenge. So this really is like a two or a three out of five for me I know. because I'm like, it is like, for like me I'm too. here for Mystique beating the shit out of him, but like the rest of the episode makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense. The whole like lineup with Alex Summers didn't really work. Like, why did they have to go to Mexico specifically? It's kind of random. Well, I think it was just like far away from the Xavier Institute. The Coyotes chasing Scott was like 
like kind of weird and silly and lasted for like an hour for some reason like it was so long also we're never gonna hear about what happened with that hospital where like scott blew up the roof we're just never gonna revisit any of that i mean probably xavier pays to fix it and like that happens off screen like i feel like xavier's constantly doing shit like that where like scott is blowing up a stadium and and xavier's like well i guess i have to pay for this but even xavier this was like nah this doesn't seem like that much of a big deal because even in that final <laughs> scene where logan and rower are like giggling about these two hooking up xavier's just sitting there like yeah. he had no lines i was like I okay why is he even here i don't know it was it was weird it was all the stuff with mystique torturing scott summers is like a five out of five but everything I else know, is I like a it. two or three out of five yeah i i'll give it like a three i i don't know i i wish it was a little stronger i wish mystique had gotten to do more me too i wish she had had more lines i wish i had just like gotten to hear from her a little more but it was still fun to watch her torture scott and i felt like that was totally earned right, that was the best part of this i don't really super care about gene and scott getting together finally because it feels like it's been dragged out for so long right. but and I'm also like the payoff is weird in these two because then they inserted logan into the middle of all this and i was like i know i didn't really like that and i was like why is logan shirtless like i don't know why that's happening i don't need that to be there well he was shirtless for me that's why he was shirtless but let's be real you're right it was just like that part was for ryan specifically like logan was circled in the animation they're like we know ryan pajal is watching this show so we got to take off logan's clothes for a little bit and then Scott's like, oh, if Logan's taking off his shirt. I'm going to take off my shirt, too. Logan, what do you think about me with my shirt off? Like, <laughs> have you ever felt so strongly about someone before but couldn't get the words out? It's like... <laughs> okay, Um, should we do who's gay or who's that X-Men first? Let's do who's gay for that's more fun. Okay, who's gay? The Because I feel like the answer is Scott and Logan. But also, like, that's still weird. <laughs> I know. Because, like, if you do a new read on that scene, like I just did, where it's like the everything that Scott said, but about Logan to I Logan. Mean, if we just assume that Scott and Gene are 18 now, which is like, I feel like after the whole period of time where everybody's been outed, it's like as though the kids are adults now. Like, everybody treats them like adults. Scott doesn't even ask for Xavier's permission before he goes to Mexico. You know what I mean? Like, he just leaves and does it. Like, at this point, they're just acting like adults and they're acting like full grown X-Men. You know they what I mean? They should be, because I think at some point, either at the end of this season or at the beginning of the next season, Scott and Gene are graduating. Basically. Yeah. So I feel like they're almost there. And also, like, in terms of maturity levels, they basically are adults, except for the part where they can't manage to talk to each other about their feelings. That part's very, like, childlike. So they're in a weird zone. But I also do feel like the whole Logan and Scott thing, like, I don't know how else to interpret it. It is kind of homoerotically charged. Like, it is. I they are I shirtless on the roof and they're talking about their feelings. Like, that's what that is. And now, here's know. the other thing I, mean, I will back up and say is that, like, I know a lot of dudes do take their shirts off if they're, like, of hot course. or whatever. And, like, it, but there's the... the scene isn't just about that. No, the it's scene... not. Like, <laughs> like, like, guys will. Sh- and I think it's good that guys can have conversations with each other like if you mm-hmm. go to the pool or if you're at a beach and there's a bunch of dudes hanging at the beach they're obviously not going to be wearing clothes but they could be talking about their feelings yeah but like, why not? i think that's healthy but like the fact that it's logan and scott specifically and it's like 
Scott going to like this weird older man and like posing it in the way that he is. It's like, okay, but Scott, like now it seems like you're trying to hit on Logan. Yeah. And since this show is extremely queer coded on purpose, it's kind of hard not to see it that way. That's what that's what I want to say about that whole little bit. There's yeah, nothing I'm else gay you. about this episode. No, there is Kurt bamfing in to interrupt Scott and Jean. That also happened. Yeah, but I thought about that, but then it's still Mystique. Well, it's not. I mean, Alex on the phone is Mystique, but Kurt isn't Mystique. No, it's I Kurt. know, but it's... Yeah, but I guess Kurt used the opportunity to interrupt Jean and Scott after days of wandering around the mansion avoiding each other. To yeah. Like, when they finally talk, Kurt uses the opportunity to bamf in and be like, uh-oh, there's a phone call. Although I guess Kurt wasn't really in charge of that. So it's just exactly. a coincidence that it happens to be Kurt. I feel like some of that is just the fact that Kurt is always like the goofball who happens to interrupt whenever Scott and Jean are like about to kiss. It's just like, right. it's usually Kurt. So, so that's, that, that's who's gay in this episode. Okay, we got plenty of time to do the next section. Honestly, yeah, we do. So it's time. It's been a while. It's time for... <gasps> Who's that? X Men! Is that you taking off your glasses and screaming? Is that what that was? It is. It's going to be fun for you to edit later. You're like exploding your ceiling and like. Well, you know, also like the microphone was in my mouth, so it's going to be a loud file. Anyway, uh, today we are finally. Finally, finally doing Cyclops. Finally. We've done Gene, we've done Beast, we've done Iceman, we've done Archangel. It is time to finally do the original X-Men and the number one, Scott Summers. And oh my god, I'm just <laughs> scrolling endlessly on this. Okay, so first of all... I'm so excited. Just to clarify for anybody that is curious about this, I am not just pulling all these facts from memory. I do use Wikipedia and the Marvel Wikipedias to kind of pull the facts together and Sometimes those things do not match all three of those things. So I have to do my best here because that's all like information I'm pulling from two different sources than my own to sort mm-hmm. of remember. So what if people happens. are like, what? What? That's not how I remember it. It's because right. Marvel Comics themselves are like this, you know? Complicated. That's why the MCU has to take the storylines and decide what they're going to keep and what they're not going to keep mm-hmm. and what they're going to change to fit the world. It's genuinely pretty hard to do these. I only did one. I did one for the Cable's Ship episode because I thought it would be funny to do Cable's Cube and it was so difficult because like Marvel Comics canon is crazy. Like, it's But also insane. this is, this again to keep on with the Warcraft Valley theme where it's like all the shit that would happen to Warcraft Valley would be big no sense. Like, for example, Gambit going into the shower because Beast was like, let's get Gambit to get used to Mr. Sinister by putting him into this room alone with a hologram of Mr. Sinister. Then the hologram of Mr. Sinister fucks Gambit. And then afterwards, Beast is like, wait, the hologram didn't turn on. That was Mr. Sinister because Mr. Sinister was behind the curtain. Like, that's <laughs> kind of like what's going to happen to Scott. I love it. All right. So Cyclops first appeared in X-Men number one in 19. 19- 63 created by stan lee and jack kirby wow x-men number one that's right that's right <laughs> that's right he is the first x-men recruited by professor xavier handpicked by xavier to carry on the legacy of the mutant and humans living in harmony and plays the role of a pseudo adoptive father to scott this will all come up again there's just a little brief intro here so you know that going into this mm-hmm. dave cockram created the star jammers and convinced chris claremont later to make corsair scott's long-lost father so that was not the original plan for his lineage we also talked about the star jammers on a who's that x-men like way uh, back yeah, we, i think we did a did we do a corsair spotlight we did because I think we, did we did the, i think we did a star jammers specific episode and then we did a corsair one i might be misremembering but we definitely talked about the fact that the Starjammers were invented separately and yes. then got merged with the X-Men. Exactly. 
So as a young boy, Scott was orphaned after his parents died in a plane crash that was piloted by his father, Christopher Summers. Scott and his brother, Alex, were the only survivors. They placed the boys into one parachute and forced them to jump off the plane. I don't know why there weren't three parachutes on this plane. That's kind of a bad call on his The dad. other one's burned up, I think. I mean, that's usually how it's animated. I don't anyway. even know. But they were separated, and the plane was later to reveal to be attacked by a Shi'ar spaceship. So that's all you need to really know about the backstory for that, and then we'll get a little bit more detailed here. So Scott's parachute caught fire and made him strike his head upon landing. It also separates him from Alex. This, for a long time, was used as brain damage on Scott that would later be responsible for his poor control over his optic blast and why he can't just close his eyes or whatever or control his powers in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. So that is one theory they used for a long time. And for a long time, Scott had amnesia about his childhood. It was like picked amnesia, though. Like some things he would remember, some things he wouldn't. Some of his memory returns during an attack with the despair later on where Gene first was perceived dead. So whatever. Okay, yeah. so now, here we go. So Scott spent most of his childhood at the State Home for Foundlings in Omaha, Nebraska, where he was experimented on by the orphanage owner, Mr. Milbury, who was just Mr. Sinister in disguise. Love it. In this version, Mr. Sinister also put a mental block on Scott and his powers and gave him amnesia. When Scott is 16, he goes on a trip to New York with his orphanage supervisor. When he's near a construction site, his first optic beam activates and he damages a metal crane, which falls on a crowd. Scott quickly unleashes another second blast. Luckily, that destroys the crane. And the crowd thinks he is a terrorist and forms a lynch mob. So Scott jumps on a train and runs away. During this time, Scott encounters the Jack of Diamonds, who tries to recruit Scott as a villain and thief, but they fight and that does not go over well. Scott is then found by Charles Xavier, who erases the lynch mob's memories. It's Xavier asks, oh yeah, my Xavier God. then asks Scott to join the X Men as its first member. Okay, okay. Those old X Men comics, the ones where it's like super old, it's like Xavier <laughs> mind wipes people left and right. I know. And honestly, for the MCU, they should keep that to be they like, well, why, why has nobody why have seen people not seen them? They should just have Xavier running around mind wiping people. They run into people, and Xavier just quickly come in and mind wiped everyone and like men in black like beep boop like you've never seen <laughs> yeah. any of this shit that's the like, noise yeah. his brain makes it's like yeah. beep boop whoosh. <laughs> yeah exactly anyway during the first run of the X-Men the original one he has Scott has a relationship with Jean Grey he spends a long time refusing his feelings because he can't tell if he's gay or not and he's afraid <laughs> that his eye beams will hurt Jean sure but eventually they profess their love for each other on Bobby's 18th birthday which is still pretty gay on an X-Men mission. <laughs> Wait, why is that the time that they do it? I don't know. It's like comic books. It's like there's a celebration happening. Oh, oh okay. I don't know. On an X-Men mission, he discovers Alex is still alive as Alex's powers are manifesting for the first time. And Alex soon joins the team as Havoc. We talked about this on the Havoc Spotlight. You can go yes. back and listen to that. That was during X-Men Evolution Season 1, I believe. That sounds right. Uh, when the original five X-Men are defeated by Krakoa, which is ironic, Scott is the only one to escape and return to Xavier. He helps train the next team of X-Men, which includes Storm, Colossus, Nightcrawler, Banshee, Thunderbird, Sunfire, and Wolverine, which is important to note. Mm -hmm. uh, then later on, when the five X-Men are seen alive, Jean and him and uh, you know, the whole Dark Phoenix saga happens, basically, where Jean's up and she's trying to pilot the space shuttle. We know this story. I don't yep, need to go into this. We've talked about it before. She yeah. merges with the Phoenix Force 
goes into the water. Scott thinks Jean is dead for a long time and briefly dates Colleen Ween, which I totally did not know. <laughs> that was new to me. I feel like I did know that, but it is super random. Well, I think I feel like we might have touched on this when the episodes with the Hellfire Club when he sort of like flirts with Dazzler, and I think they like put her in juxtaposition with that. I don't know. Yeah, maybe That's, that could be also me, me misremembering and trying to read two different Wikipedia sites. Uh, when Scott finds Jean alive and is reunited with her on Muir Island to fight Proteus, they basically remember how horny they are for each other and fuck right there. Before Jean dies again, Scott cyclically proposes her and she accepts before dying and Scott quicks the X-Men. That's all parts of the really chaotic Phoenix and Dark Phoenix storyline where the original Phoenix storyline would have worked if it was just Jean and it got complicated when they're like, oh no, it was just the Phoenix Force posing as Jean while Jean was in a cocoon. Yeah, it was this alien force. I don't know. Like, I fucking hate all that. Uh, then Scott returns to the X-Men and discovers that Corsair is actually his father. He finds out that his parents had actually been captured and sold to slavery by the Shi'ar when the plane was attacked. His mother was murdered by Emperor Dekan, which we talked about in Corsair Spotlight. And I think we did a Dekan spotlight at one point did we yeah i think so i don't know scott finds out that he has living grandparents in alaska so when he goes to visit his grandparents for the first time he meets madeline Pryor, who looks a lot like jean scott eventually marries her and retires from the x-men after she becomes pregnant with cable mm-hmm. so that's important to know it is scott doesn't like his life without the x-men or xavier and eventually challenges storm to battle for leadership in the danger room and storm at the time did not have her powers and still beat cyclops which Amazing. is the Love best her. part that's like the best God, part of she's the whole, best i know like <laughs> seriously uh madeline then gives birth to their son nathan cable the g <laughs> Jean Grey is then discovered and revived by the Avengers of the Fantastic Four. So Jean's back to life for a third time. Yep. And the Phoenix is revealed to have been a cosmic entity who placed Jean in a healing pond at the bottom of Jamaica Bay and then walks around her for as while. Maddie and I hate this. Blah, blah, blah. Yep, we yep, all yep, know this. Yep. We've talked about it three times now. After hearing Jean is alive, Cyclops leaves his wife and son and rejoins the original five X-Men as X-Factor who pose as mutant hunters, but in reality are trying to help mutants. Madeline goes on to be an assisting member of the X-Men, eventually sacrificing herself during the fall of mutants. The demon Sim and Satire corrupt Maddie's feelings of self-despair over Cyclops and transform her into the Goblin Queen. Maddie then seeks revenge on Scott for leaving her. When she finds out that she is a clone of Jean created by Mr. Sinister to fuck with Scott, she kills herself and Cyclops seemingly kills Mr. Sinister with an optic blast but doesn't bother to check the body. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Scott then reclaims his romance with Gene and reclaims his son, Nathan. And he's like, this is the real family, me, Gene and Cable. Mm-hmm. Scott then finds out that Mr. Sinister was secretly the man who ran his orphan- orphanage and tortured him all the years. And Scott like has a traumatic, I mean, Scott, to be fair, Scott does go through an absurd amount of trauma in this to yeah. the point where I'm like, okay, yeah, he is a little fucked up. Yeah, um, totally. <laughs> yeah. After Extinction Agenda, Scott reencounters Apocalypse, who, at, at, like, at some point in the past, they'd already fought him during one of the X Men missions, but his relationship to Apocalypse did not matter until his time in which Mm -hmm. he infects Nathan with the techno-organic virus. Yep, which I actually talked about on the Cable's Cube episode. If people want to go back and listen to that, all of of our Who's That X-Men's actually do connect because it's all in the same universe, obviously, and we're doing our damnedest to link all this up. It's all the Mutant Ages universe at this point. I know, I know, we're trying. Scott saves his son from Apocalypse by defeating Apocalypse. I don't know how. It's been a long time I've I've read that comic and neither of the Wikipedia's described it. Yeah, I think I ran into the exact same issue when i was doing With the, the, the cube, cube. Episode, yeah i, know, I was right? like i don't fully understand this but okay 
<laughs> but he could not save Nathan from the fatal infection, so Scott sent Nathan into the future where he could be cured. Yep. Scott and the X-Factor rejoin the X-Men after a battle with the Shadow Kane and call themselves the Blue Team. Mr. Sinister then sends Caliban to kidnap Cyclops and Jean for Strife. Strife tells them that he is, in fact, their son, Nathan, and he was sent to the future and abandoned. Yeah. Then Cable is running around. He's been running around for a while at this point because it was like the 80s and 90s, just like how he does in the X-Men the X-Men series, and they're like, what's with this random guy? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Cable and Strife then both apparently die, and then Cable returns and reveals that he was actually the real Nathan Summers, and Strife was a clone of Nathan. Great. Mm. Great. Sure. So Scott and Jean finally marry. During their honeymoon, they are brought into the future where they raise Cable for 12 years of his life. After helping Cable defeat the future version of Apocalypse, Jean and Scott are sent back to their past. But I have to, I think I have to like clarify that it was like their minds that went into other bodies or something. Yeah, because they like don't age, right? So like then right. when they go back, it's fine yeah yes. yeah and it's, they go by red and slim when they're time in the travel other. is real yeah don't worry about it <laughs> anyway mr sinister then reveals that there is another summer's brother and twirls away without explaining anything <laughs> great that is vulcan which they're doing a comic book series on now finally explaining it and i have not read anything past issue one because i'm just trying to catch up on all the krakoa stuff right now but i will get back to that and i'll let you know what i discover after the X-Men battle Onslaught and Xavier is detained for his part of being Onslaught, Scott and Jean are left as the leaders and co-headmasters of the school. They go into retirement after Operation Zero Tolerance in which Cyclops is severely injured when a bomb is placed into his chest and explodes and he doesn't die. <laughs> Classic Warcraft Valley stuff. Uh, Storm asks Scott and Jean to return to the X-Men when she grows concerned of Xavier's mental state. This leads to the events in which Apocalypse plans to use a machine to steal the powers of 12 select mutants and put them into the body of Nate Gray, which we kind of saw the start of in X-Men the Animated Series when he was collecting the psychics, but didn't really explain what the fuck he was doing. He just stood mm. at the clock and stared at it and did a monologue of how, how time is like a thing that moves back and forth. Yep, I loved it. <laughs> in order to save Nate Gray, Scott has to merge with Apocalypse. He's believed to be dead until Gene and Cable find Scott in Egypt where they kill Apocalypse's spirit. And that obviously didn't work because it's fucking apocalypse. I don't know. Yeah, like, he's eternal. You can't kill him. Shit. I don't know. Cyclops returns to the X-Men, but his personality has been altered after being bonded with Apocalypse. This causes a rift to happen between Scott and Jean because he's questioning his love for her. Scott is then instrumental in preventing Zord's suicide and recruiting him to the X-Men. We're going into the Grant Morrison new X-Men stuff at this point. Scott and Logan finally start getting along and build a friendship because they're definitely fucking because neither of them are fucking Gene at this point. Mm-hmm. When Gene starts showing signs of the Phoenix Force again, Scott abstains from having sex with Gene, who tries to confront Cyclops about this, but he pushes her away, blaming it on Apocalypse. Gene then runs out to tell Logan about her feelings about what's going on between her and Scott, and she wants to confide in him, and then Gene and Logan make out in the woods, and Logan's like, actually, you should remain with Scott because... I'm also fucking Scott. Like this is like this is really when the love triangle like start to completely spiral. Yeah, it like, comes to a head. I feel like yeah. it's also like post the live action movies, right? So like everybody was super on board for the love triangle. Brian Singer also like impromptu made Famke Johnson and Hugh Jackman make out for that. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Brian Singer was just like jerking off watching that. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Xavier leaves Earth while under the control of Cassandra Nova, leaving Jean in charge of the school. This makes Scott feel ignored and traumatized even more. Scott turns to Emma Frost for consolation, talking to her about her problems. They build a relationship that starts as a bunch of psychic therapy sessions, but the feelings for each other evolve into more of a psychic affair. 
but they don't actually do anything. They don't have sex. They don't even have sex in the affair. Well, they have like an emotional affair. I feel right, like that's right. fair to say. So when Gene discovers the affair, Scott denies having any, done anything more than share thoughts. And Emma then mocks Gene relentlessly. So Gene forces Emma to admit all of her traumas and real feelings about everything and makes her face her sins, failures, and personal demons only for Scott to finally intervene and be like, will you please read my mind? And she does and finds out that they didn't have an actual affair. And Emma's like, wow, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> fuck all of you. So Scott then goes to the Hellfire Club to get drunk and accompanies Wolverine and Phantom X in a uh, side mission to go into a government-created pocket world, Scarlet Witch style, in which Scott professes to Logan that he has no feelings for Gene anymore. And it's really weird that he does this because you would think that the next step of that story is Scott then saying, I am in love with you, Logan. But like, yeah, that's not but what it's happens not. here. Yeah. Because it's still 2003 or whatever, so we can't do that in comics yet. Scott later returns to the X-Men when Zorn reveals himself to be Magneto, which is then later retconned to be somebody posing as Magneto, as we all know, and attacks the X-Men. Jean reaches full Phoenix power and confronts Zorn, which kills her in the process, and Scott apologizes for hurting her, and Jean tells Scott to live on. Scott considers leaving the X-Men, but in an alternate future, this causes the apocalypse to happen, because of course it would. To prevent this, Gene is resurrected again as the White Phoenix to telepathically re- reach back in time to tell Cyclops it's okay to move on. Scott then pursues a relationship with Emma and they become co-headmasters of the Xavier Institute. The X-Men are opposed to Emma at first as a concept and also as a relationship with Scott, but then they all come to accept it and Emma dating Scott. Probably because they realize it's a lot healthier than whatever the fuck was going on between Scott and Gene. <laughs> Scott decides the X-Men need to play more of an emergency rescue and aid role to other mutants, so Cyclops picks a new team, including Emma, Beast, Kitty, and Wolverine. This is Astonishing X-Men. Yep. During this time, they faced an alien named Ord of the Break World who supplied Dr. Kavita Rao with the cure for mutation. The team defeats Ord and, uh, and rescue a resurrected Colossus who was alive even though after he died from the legacy virus. The X-Men's danger room then becomes sentient and attacks the X-Men seeking to kill Xavier. It calls itself danger and she reveals that Xavier knew that she had been self-aware since the Shi'ar technology was installed into the danger room and Xavier chose chose to ignore her. After this battle, the X-Men abandon Xavier in disgust with Cyclops no longer welcoming Xavier's input at the school or with the team. Yeah. This is all important because this is when Scott starts pushing against Xavier's dream for a while. Mm-hmm. During a therapy session with Emma Frost, a.k.a. sexual intercourse, she presented the idea that his lack of control over his optic blasts are actually stemming from a mental block as a coping mechanism to deal with all of his trauma. Scott admits that this theory is true, and he gains some control over his optic blast for a brief period of time, but not very long. <laughs> After the events of House of M, Cyclops and Rachel are captured by Vulcan, who reveals himself as Scott's secret younger brother, Xavier then confirms that this is true and that he had uh, had hid this information from Scott all along and Cyclops grows <sighs> even more resentful towards Xavier and demands Xavier to leave the school. <laughs> There's a whole side plot here during World War Hulk where Cyclops fights the Hulk who is trying to take Professor Xavier and despite his feelings towards Xavier at that time Cyclops still wants to save him because it's the right thing to do and then eventually he forgives Xavier for all the shit he did. I don't know why because he <laughs> wants to be a good boy. It's like yeah. sort of the same thing as Pietro and uh, Magneto, Magneto where Pietro is constantly mean, like, trying to get his approval. Yeah it kind of makes sense in Scott's case because Xavier is like the closest thing he has to a father so and he has right. all this trauma that we've just gone over so yeah I don't exactly. know. It's sad. Uh, when the first new mutant is discovered on Cerebro since M-Day, Cyclops leads a team to Alaska where they find every child in the town killed by the marauders and purifiers and the baby is gone. Xavier gets mad at Cyclops for not telling him that this about this team and Cyclops reminds Xavier that it's not his X-Men anymore and he needs to fucking back off. 
<laughs> maybe not trap a sentient being in the danger room for 30 years. Yeah. When Cyclops discovers that Cable has taken the baby mutant, Cyclops creates a secret hit squad, the X-Force, to hunt down the baby. Cyclops later breaks all ties with Xavier and tells him to leave the mansion completely. After finding the Marauders hideout on Muir Island, Cyclops dispatches X-Force and Bishop to go retrieve the baby. Cyclops sends a new X-Men, the students of the mansion, to fight Sister's forces by catching them off guard because they wouldn't be expecting him to send child soldiers in. This is a point of contention that keeps on coming up. I mean, I wasn't a fan of this moment. No. <laughs> I mean, it's still him doing the Xavier thing. Of course. Cyclops confronts Cable about the baby, who begs Cyclops to let him escape to the future with the baby. There's a lot of back and forth about this, including Xavier trying to sway Cyclops' opinion into letting them keep the baby, but Cyclops ultimately gives the baby back to Cable to teleport into the future. Because if you're going to trust Cable or Xavier, you trust fucking cable not professor xavier yep bishop tries shooting cable last second but instead shoots xavier in the head killing him but xavier comes back to life later after he goes to heaven for a little while which i hate that <laughs> if there's anybody allowed in heaven it's not professor xavier yeah cyclops then disbands the x-men for a while cyclops then goes on vacation to the savage land with emma warren calls to them for help in san francisco so they go there and save the city the mayor then offers to let cyclops reestablish themselves in san francisco which is welcomes the x-men with open arms Cyclops then puts Wolverine back in charge of the X-Force and keeps it a secret from the X-Men, including Emma Frost, who eventually starts figuring things out because it's fucking Emma Frost. And she's not an idiot. You don't keep things from Emma Frost. Like, you just don't do that. It just seems like a waste of time to try, honestly. Right. Cyclops then starts making controversial decisions, such as using biological warfare against the scrolls by knowingly infecting them with an adaptive version of the legacy virus or doing things like leaving students kidnapped by the Leper Queen to die, including Hellion, Surge, and Boom Boom. Wolverine confronts Cyclops about all this shit. He's like, dude, what the fuck are you even doing? And Scott's like, don't question me. I'm in charge. I'm Cyclops and I'm doing what's right for mutant kind. <laughs> Scott then starts opening the X-Men base up to anyone seeking refuge because when Simon Trask starts tricking the public into believing that a new baby mutant was causing all the destruction that was happening, he started pushing for a new proposition called Proposition X to control mutant reproduction and increase hate crimes. So Scott then encounters the ghost of Madeline Pryor, who has assembled a new all-female team called the Sisterhood of Mutants, fucking epic and awesome, who are looking to steal a lock of Jean's hair to recreate her body so Maddie could go live in it. Cyclops has Domino swipe off, swap out Jean's dead body, and Maddie doesn't know this, then attempts to possess the body and then disintegrates into nothing, which honestly, Scott, like... You are like Maddie does not deserve any of the shit that she has happened to her because you dated her because she looked like Jean had yeah. got married to her, had a baby, then left her the second that Jean was still alive. And then Pretty you're like, up. why is this my problem? Because um, you're a piece <laughs> of shit. Anyway, yeah. Beast then confronts both Scott and Emma about all their questionable decisions uh in which scott of course is like don't question me i'm scott summers and i'm in charge of the x-men and doing what's right for the mutants <laughs> now through trask and humanity now cyclops is viewed as a leader of as the leader of the remaining mutant population is implicated as endorsing and sending x-men in against riots against riots towards me and to make them even worse trask uses the riots to victimize themselves and push proposition x even further this is when the whole crazy norman osborne creates dark avengers and dark x-men thing mm. to teams like that emma was on and goes on by the name of black queen and yep. you think things are like going poorly because norman osborne's trying to arrest cyclops and then at some point osborne like tries to strike a deal with cyclops and he's like i can make the riot stop if you do a b c to d and cyclops is like no leave me and the x-men alone and then emma like reveals that she was slowly getting the riots under control because emma was secretly working for cyclops the whole time cyclops assigns his own x-men different 
tasks to deal with the biosentinels that are now attacking the city from this version of Trask. Scott's plan comes together when magic teleports X-Force into Hammer and frees the captured mutants from the Dark Avengers and Dark X-Men. Emma and Namor reveal that they are double agents against Osborn. Nobody's fucking surprised. Like, of course, Emma Frost and Namor weren't going to go back to being evil. Whatever. Mm. Scott then has the Axe Club resurrect Asteroid M, which crashed into the Pacific Coast a few years ago, and orders Magic and Pixie to teleport every X-Men and Allied Mutant to what he then labels as Utopia. During a press conference, Cyclops informs the world that they have left the US and reject Norman Osborn's methods. I feel like I gotta go back and reread those again, but I remember reading them at the time, being like, this is fucking not making any sense. Again, this is... (laughs) This was the start of the contractual rights between Fox and I know. Disney I was wondering and- when we were going to enter that era and I was like, we must be here now because I don't recognize any of this anymore because I didn't read these and it sounds yeah. bad. <laughs> Cyclops can't decide what he wants to do with Utopia and what it's supposed to be and he's a poor leader, unsurprisingly. Beast leaves Utopia after discovering X-Force and blames Cyclops for having terrible judgment leading Utopia. Not a bad call, Beast, although Beast is not somebody to judge, but we won't touch on that. <laughs> Kibble returns to the present day with Hope Summers, the baby sent to the future. Uh, she's also a teenager now. Cyclops yes. sends the X-Men to rescue them as the Purifiers and Nimrod start hunting Cable and Hope. During this rescue, Nightcrawler is killed, teleporting Hope back to Utopia. Beast blames Scott for the loss of Nightcrawler. A like weird holographic field surrounds the Utopia and they can't get out. And it's, the field is from the future and Sentinels from the future also start teleporting in to attack alongside Nimrod. Cyclops sent a team of X-Men into the future led by Cable to stop all this and when they return Cyclops and Hope watch Cable die from the techno-organic virus and from all the different time travel although he comes back to life after that because this is a fucking comic book mm-hmm. Cyclops holds a funeral for Cable after Nimrod and the Sentinels are defeated Emma sees Phoenix inside of Hope and she runs to tell Scott but Scott's distracted because Cerebra has detected five new mutant signal sense M-Day and Scott deploys Hope to recruit the new mutant signals known as the Lights Cyclops is then awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom Award by Steve Rogers, which I think Cyclops then rejects or something. Uh, Cyclops and Wolverine then fuck for a while until Kid Omega, Quentin Quire, launches a psychoterrorist attack against ambassadors during some sort of conference. And then Quentin goes on the run and eventually shows up to Utopia pleading for amnesty. Wolverine tries to attack him, but Cyclops stops in and Wolverine's what the fuck. Later... You can tell I'm getting... I start having trouble taking these notes because I spelled later wrong. Uh, later, Cyclops sent a team to a local mutant museum as a show of force. The new Hellfire Club attacks them at the exhibit. Edie, who at the time was one of the students, asked Cyclops that she should kill the Hellfire Club to help, and Scott just tells her to do what she feels is right. So she slaughters a bunch of people, which pisses Wolverine off because she he doesn't like the idea of children killing people or child soldiers. So yeah. Then, the new Hellfire Club activates a giant special sentinel towards Utopia. Cyclops then puts more child soldiers on the line, saying that everyone should fight the sentinel. Wolverine then leaves Utopia, not wanting to recruit child soldiers, and asks them which students wants to come with them to be actual students at Jean Grey's School for Higher Learning with Kitty. When the Phoenix Force is returning to Earth to use Hope as its host, Cyclops believes that Hope as the Phoenix could jumpstart the mutant population. Captain America, fearful that the Phoenix will destroy everything again, assembles the Avengers and S.H.I.E.L.D. to confront Cyclops and orders Cyclops to transfer Hope to his protective custody. Cyclops blasts America into the sea. Captain America then orders the Avengers to take Utopia and take Hope. Cyclops denounces the Avengers. Hope escapes Utopia. Uh, Cyclops then scatters the X-Men across the globe to prevent the Avengers from capturing Hope. She goes to Wolverine for help, who actually does tattle on Hope to the Avengers, which is something that Logan would do to Nick Fury and Steve Rogers because he is fucking them. 
It's like it's like Logan and all his exes are so complicated. Uh, Cyclops and a select X-Men go to stop Hope's capture. Iron Man tries to disrupt the Phoenix Force, and as a result, the Phoenix Force is divided into five inhabitants, including Cyclops, Namor, Emma Frost, Colossus, and Magic. And they go on as the Phoenix Five and start just transferring the world and all of reality. Scarlet Witch style which is mm-hmm. incredibly ironic that they would still reject scarlet witch even now even though cyclops went ahead and did the same fucking thing so <laughs> i know uh, I wanda know. Tele- then wanda teleports in and saves hope and then kind of trains her which is like what i i, I forgot about this i remember reading it as like oh that's right wanda is the person who kind of went in and fixed all this shit and yet in krakoa she is still viewed as a enemy of the state which is like mm-hmm. what the hell and it, i don't know fucking what we're gonna get justice for wanda pretty soon i know because that's, I think that's gonna, what's happening I think that's right now coming to a head yeah but right. anyway in a defense against a combined assault from the avengers and the x-men cyclops absorbs Emma Frost's Phoenix Force then kills Xavier again and transforms into the Dark Phoenix. The X-Men and Avengers then weaken Cyclops uh, enough for Hope to absorb the Phoenix Force and undoes the changed world caused by Cyclops. And Cyclops is like, oh no, what have I done? This is what Jean fell. Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> Hope and Wanda then spread out the Phoenix Force across the globe, causing thousands of people to become mutants. Cyclops is held captive in a Ruby Quartz cell while feeling guilty about killing Xavier and but happy about what he did to restart the mutant race. Uh, but by the way, that wasn't you, Cyclops. That was still Wanda and Hope, but sure. Yep, just sure. sit there and do the Xavier thing and accept that you did it for some reason. We are like 25 minutes into this fucking shit show. Uh, Captain America <laughs> convinces Wolverine to visit Cyclops to try and find out where his secret extinction team is hiding. And Cyclops tries baiting Wolverine into killing him so he wouldn't have to live anymore. But Wolverine's like, yeah, I'm not going to let you die a martyr. Fuck this. Cyclops also spends time communicating with Magneto during this time through his metal fillings in his teeth, which I guess what? it's just him. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a like mouthing like Magneto being like, I can tell what he's saying by the way he's moving his mouth. I That's- don't know okay sure <laughs> and cyclops goes don't break me out because i must stay captured because they have to remain this like symbol a uh, political prisoner and they would if i am freed that turns me into a criminal it's like cyclops are already a criminal another mutant inmate that cyclops has grown fond of jake is murdered by a bunch of mutant hating inmates depressed cyclops then takes up magneto's offer to break him out Magneto magic danger and break out Cyclops and leave a note for Wolverine saying that they're going to fight for mutant rights. It's like, okay, thanks. I'm glad they left him a post to note. Cyclops then starts more violent policies, including attacking police and other officials for illegally detaining mutants. This then inspires Beast to pull the original five X-Men from the past because he feels as if Cyclops has lost his weight and is no longer Cyclops anymore. So let's this is like a whole other stupid thing. Cyclops establishes a new base in the old and an old Weapon X facility in Canada to train new mutants along with Emma, Magneto, and Magic. During this time, they were infected with nanite sentinels that corrupted their powers and made them unpredictable. Aurora seeks Scott out because Xavier's will was about to be read, in which Xavier leaves everything to Scott and notes that he'd always seen Scott as a son. Scott closes his Weapon X school and sends a student to the Jean Grey school for higher learning because he remembers what it was like to be Xavier's parrot and to be following Xavier's dream and what he should really be doing and never threatening humans. It was never the way that it was supposed to be. Cyclops then realizes his mutant revolution and gathers mutants at the White House to show humans that mutants could gather one place and not create harm towards the human race and live in peace just as Xavier would have wanted it. Sure. Cyclops is then killed by the Terrigen Pass. <laughs> 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 Which are revealed as fatal to mutants upon exposure. 
Yeah. Um, and Cyclops was one of the first victims of Mpox. Although Emma used a telepathic projection of him to rally mutants to destroy a Terragenesis cloud. Only the Cuckoos, Havoc, and Magneto were aware of Emma's deception and that Scott never really died. Uh, Cyclops' legacy was left as an inspiration to mutant youth, even though Yuntime displaced Cyclops was disgusted with his future self's actions. During extermination, the time-displaced young X-Men are returned to the proper timeline, and Cyclops is revealed to be alive. Now, this is during the age of Nate Gray, when all the X-Men are, like, put into another reality, and mm. there's, like, the only people left out of that are, like, Cyclops and Wolverine, and some of, like, X-Factor and uh, the New Mutants. And, like, I read this, I read this plotline recently, like, because it was right before all the Krakoa stuff, but I'm yeah. just gonna, like, quote, it's, like, a paragraph from the actual Wikipedia. So, because I don't think I could have written it anymore to make any more sense than this says. So I'm just going <laughs> to read it. And okay. it just says, it is explained that his recent resurrection was caused when the younger version of Cable went to find Paul, a human who was rescued by Cyclops from giant robots controlled by a vengeful professor Maven back during the original X-Men era with Paul now working for Tony Stark as a scientist. Cable gives Paul the Phoenix Cage device created by the Avengers back in 2012 to recreate the device so he could resurrect Cyclops. Cable and Paul managed to find Cyclops' corpse after his public quote-unquote death and implanted a smaller version of the Phoenix Cage into the corpse's heart. When Cyclops was temporarily brought back by the Phoenix during Jean Grey's res- resurrection, the Phoenix Cage is activated and absorbs a small portion of the Phoenix Force, which eventually restores Cyclops to full life even after the Phoenix abandoned him. After the time-displaced X-Men managed to return to their time, Cyclops gains the extra memories of his past self while finding out that the original older Cable had been screwing the timeline for keeping the younger X-Men in the present. Although Cable admits that he had brought his father back to life primarily because he saw his death as unfair, he keeps Cyclops contained in his base until the other X-Men are engaged in battle against Nate Gray at the same moment as Professor Marvin escapes prison and goes after Paul for revenge, Cable then forcing Cyclops to choose which of the two he will save. Although the other X-Men are apparently killed by Nate, Cyclops' decision to save Paul allows him to reassess his actions prior to his death and conclude that he has become as bad as his enemies, choosing to help mutants over humans regardless of the consequences. Does that make any fucking sense to you? Not really, no, but I I feel like I stopped following this like 10 minutes ago. I mean, I've been listening the whole time and like following it nominally, but like... Uh, it's so much dude i feel like people this is this is a really good explanation of how weird x-men got during the like fox disney rights era you know we're like this is this is peak mcu like the avengers have become the coolest property ever and the x-men are losers for this whole era and like i tried to read some of these comics as well and i remember being like this is not good well at this point at this point now the x-men have been bought out by Disney. Yes. They had to do Age of X-Men and Krakoa to like sort of reset everything. Mm-hmm. After most of the X-Men and mutants had disappeared during Age of X-Men into Nate Gray's alternate reality, Cyclops keeps a low profile to find the remaining X-Men who are not in the other world. He joins Wolverine to rescue Magic, Wolfsbane, Karma, Strong Guy, and one of Multiple Man's duplicates and eventually Havoc. And they basically stand up as the remaining mutants and make themselves known. Captain America's like, okay, I guess you're still alive. We don't really get to see how any of this actually ends because like all the stuff from Age of X-Men ends and then it just stops and goes into Krakoa. So we know all about Krakoa because Scott Summers now lives on Krakoa in the summer house with his wonderful relationship with both Jean Grey and Wolverine. 
Yeah. Um, he was involved with the whole fight against stopping Nimrod from being built and happening and dies up in space and then comes back to life. And that's when we learn about the resurrection pods in uh, Krakoa. Cyclops is leading the current generation of X-Men. And he basically is like, we are like the Freedom Fighters team. That's who we are. It's me and Jane and Laura's Wolverine. Yeah. She's better than the real Wolverine. Except, you know, obviously Wolverine is still sleeping with Scott. Right. Etc. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, there we go. Yeah. That's there it. There we go. We made it. We made it through the fire, through the Phoenix Force. It was a full half an hour of Cyclops. We trapped it in a cage. Put it in his chest, which is also where bombs go. Oh, my God. I What a whirlwind. His powers didn't work because of all the different times he got amnesia that he repressed and also fell out of a plane and Mr. Sinister also gave him amnesia because yeah. Mr. Sinister turned out to be every father figure in his life except for Professor Xavier but he may as well have been Xavier because Xavier clearly also tortures him so who mm-hmm. knows and then meanwhile Scott's actual father Corsair wasn't really around ever like wasn't really involved yeah he's too busy <laughs> being in his like his little pirate orgy I know all right well we did it we we, we did, did the Cyclops spotlight that people it's have asked for done. it is you done. wanted it you asked for it we did it we did it let's get into some plugs. seemingly somehow we are still getting through this episode in under an hour and a half so that is actually the true victory here it is. It is. I feel like we picked the perfect Cyclops episode to do this spotlight in because it was such a straightforward, simple episode. And like Scott is so complicated. His backstory is anything but straightforward and simple. Exactly. So anyway, next week, we will not be here. Please check out our YouTube channel. Please check out our Patreon. We'll get more into that later. But we will not be having an episode next week because we're going back to biweekly. But the week after next, we're going to be watching Extreme Measures. I believe that's the next episode of X-Men Evolution. I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Okay. So this is the one oh, where this is the Morlock Evan episode. goes to the Morlocks because he mutates out of control. Oh, interesting. Yes. I'm actually excited oh, about it. Oh, this looks like it's going to be depressing. They're <laughs> like, all depressing. I'm looking at this and I'm like, oh, no. Okay. But also, like, this was totally going to set up the whole morlock storm versus callisto thing but it it just never got there well it looks like it's going to be a fascinating episode it is so that's next episode extreme measures you have time to catch up you have time to catch up you have time to sit back relax listen to the full backlog of mutant ages stuff and check out all the other places that we exist so in order to find all those other places you should probably go to mutantages.com you can find our email address there and you can find our po box which is uh mutant ages Three uh three three four four and then okay. Massachusetts. P.O. Box three three four four. You don't need to write me in Mages no, there. It's three three four 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 three four three three four four. Natick Massachusetts. We can write Mutant Ages on there. We could. Yeah, you could write Mutant Ages on there. That's what everyone seems to do. Oh, I've got to chill. Check that. Fuck, it's Sunday. I always remember this on Sundays when I cannot check that. Anyway, there's also a Discord server where you can go hang out with other fellow mutants. There's a link to that at MutantAges.com, and we have a voicemail inbox, which is one. 508-319-1668. And what I really want to talk about is our YouTube channel, because we're going to try to dive back in to doing that again. Uh, so usually we play every single X-Men video game. We're going to try to record some more of those soon. We've been playing every Game Gear game and... They're Maddie's favorite. They're something, you know? They're really something, but I feel like we managed to make them entertaining. And there's a huge backlog of videos there. You can watch D-Men, which is like the X-Men parodies that we made when we were teenagers. You can watch Ryan editing together clips from this podcast with clips from the animated series that we've seen, which is pretty funny. 
And you can see like us being Resident Evil characters because why not? There's that's, all kinds of videos gotta, on that's there. That's gonna make a comeback at some point soon. It has yeah, to so with it Resident has Evil. To. Being, Resident Evil being so wildly popular again, it's got it's to. back, baby. It's back. And so you can find the Mutant Ages on YouTube. You can also just find Ryan's YouTube channel if you want to. That's pretty yeah, that's, good that's, too. That's one of the other projects that I'm involved in, which is why we're telling it back because we're involved to many things. But you can go check that out. It's just my name, Ryan Pagella. Do lots of theme park and adventure stuff there. You can also find us all over social media. The Mutant Ages is on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Pinterest, TikTok. Um, I'm on Twitter at Ryan Pagello, and I'm at uh, Instagram at Ryan.Pagello. I also have my Twitch channel, which is, again, my Ryan name, Pagella. Ryan Pagello. Uh, yeah, lots of lots of horror games there. I, I found that a lot of our listeners are digging the Resident Evil stuff, probably because we talk about it a lot on this show. So, probably because Resident Evil is cool, and it's finally it coming back cool. again. Um, I'm is. also on social media at Mitty Myers, uh, but you know what? Who cares? Uh, so anyway, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash the mutant ages. We have extra bonus episodes there. We just recorded one about Loki. So if you finish with Loki, you want to hear a spoilerific take on it. And also all of our thoughts on the MCU gradually approaching X-Men, which that's just all we can ever talk about. Also, we also talk a lot about how Mobius and Loki should kiss. They should kiss. They should have kissed. It's an injustice. Um, So you can go to the Patreon and, and back to get that. And there's all different tiers with different levels of rewards. And at the highest tier, you get a shout out on the show. That's true. Um, again, there are no good voices Cyclops for this week. voice? No. I, what, hippie like screaming like, Samuel B, Sora B, Zach S, help me find my glasses. I'm lost in the desert. Hello? Can I see? Oh, no, a coyote. <laughs> So that's the kind of thing that you can pay for. Also, um, also, thank you for supporting us on the Mutant Ages of being our top tier supporters. You can do that at the Patreon. Ah, I'm lost. Where am I? I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. My voice yeah, is becoming you. more and more nasally as it goes on. Kevin Feige. Anyway. Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige. Anyway, um, if you cannot afford to back the Patreon, we completely understand, but we hope that you will leave us a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts or Facebook or wherever, or you can just share the show with your pals on your personal social media and say that you like it. It's always nice to see that kind of thing when people share the show. It's really nice. It, it gives me a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's really wonderful. That's really wonderful. Uh, that's it. That's it. That's it. There we go. Um, <laughs> do we have a date with Wolverine today? I don't, I don't know. know. You tell me. Wolverine. How's Wolverine doing Where these are you, days? Logan? <laughs> Is Logan lost in the desert? He's probably not. He's probably fine. I mean, he, you know, he's, he's lost. He's lost in the woods. Let's be real. He's like, he's lost in the woods. Oh, my God. I have to okay. go. Okay. <laughs> See you next time. See you next time. The Mutant